0: of our pages. We are now live. Super excited to be here tonight with our guest. All right. And then let me click this. And then here we go. Oh, it says a watch party. I don't know what that means. Okay, well, all right. Well, we are now shared there, which is great. Okay, everyone. So now I can see that. Fabulous. So thank you for tuning in tonight, friends, and welcome to season six. Super excited to be here. Every season we share many new stories of people's lives that leave us unexpired. And tonight, my friend, is no different. Tonight's show is sponsored by Virtual Estrogen Fest 2.0. Gents and ladies, yes, for the first time ever, we are offering Virtual Estrogen Fest for both men and women. This is the opportunity to look at what is holding you back during COVID. Are you feeling lazy and not productive? Do you ignore household chores because it's like Groundhog Day and it will be there tomorrow? Are you overeating, overdrinking, smoking too much, or not eating enough? Listen, if you said yes to any of these, Virtual Estrogen Fest is for you. Look for our special opportunity for you to take advantage of during the show. And per true Estrogen Fest style, we are extending payments out two months past our Estrogen Fest date. So it's not too late. Our next opportunity is June 6th, 7th, I believe is what it is. So tonight we are blessed to have a fucking rock star in the veteran community who stands behind her actions to help suicide prevention. I'm thrilled to say that she is inspiring people even in a fucking pandemic. (laughs) So please welcome... Tempa Cheryl, COO and Licensed Professional Counselor for 22Kill. Welcome, Tempa.
1: Hi. It's good to be here.
0: Oh, it's so good to have you on. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Well, we start at the beginning every time. So tell us where you're from and how you were raised because you have quite an interesting story.
1: Yes, ma'am. I a lot of people don't know that part of, of my life. So it's interesting to be able to share it here. Yes. Um I am from a very small town, um, rural, Texas, R-U-L-E. And
0: Oh, not a- rural, but rural.
1: Rural, R-U-L-E.
0: Wow. Yes. Okay.
1: And it's about 60 miles northwest of Abilene. Okay and was raised in farm country uh lived on the edge of my grandfather's cotton farm and um our school was really tiny small and we had my I used to think my grandfather was rich because he had a farm okay but he wasn't he was not rich <laughs> <laughs> um at all and <laughs> My sister and I, I'm nine years older than my sister, jody And uh, so we were raised on on my grandfather's farm. And if it weren't for my grandparents, we probably would not have made it. Um, wow. Yeah. They made sure that we had groceries, that we had a place to live, um, and sometimes kept the lights on for us. Wow. So I was raised very poor. I had you know, free lunches in school. And it wasn't until school that I really noticed that I was poor because that's when you start comparing yourself to other kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when you start learning the shame of that. Right. And so, and know, the
0: comments um, that come with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Plus I yeah. had red hair and freckles, so that didn't help. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so Interesting, you know, things bumped along kind of what I thought was, it was my normal.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: my dad was, um, we had horses and I was raised, you know, around animals, horses. I began riding horses when I was a toddler. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. So as a young girl, I was about nine. I was competing in professional rodeo. Really? Yes. Um, and we did that. We traveled around to different, um, cities, different rodeos. That really- a job. He did some part-time farming. He had two bachelor's degrees, very brilliant. He was a visual artist and so we bumped around from one thing to the next he had all these different things in his life and he had some very severe mental health issues um it ran in the family my grandmother did as well Um, my aunt my dad's sister and so that was my normal i didn't know any different at the time but as i got older the impact became more and more severe. Um, And what does that look like? I look like, well, uh, my dad was, I would say a bipolar one. So he was a pretty severe bipolar um, with some psychotic tendencies in there. So can you, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have you pause for
0: just a second. Please tell us the difference between a bipolar one and a bipolar two.
1: Bipolar one has more extreme highs and lows. Um, they can have delusions, um, psychotic tendencies, which means they may uh, they may think they see or hear things that they don't. Okay? Um, yeah, so uh, there are if they're extremely manic, then there's a lot of things that can happen with that. and a lot of reckless behavior, And it's really difficult for family members to, to, to Sure. sure. So, yeah. So my sister and I, we, we went through some things. Um, My dad was definitely verbally abusive, sometimes physically abusive. Mm -hmm. He was physically abusive to me, but not so much my sister, which I'm glad. Um, But definitely intellectually and emotionally abusive to my sister He took her out of school when she was in fifth grade. So I graduated from high school and he started getting worse. I would say about my eighth grade year. Um, I school was my escape. Mm -hmm. So I got into theater. Um, School gave me worth. So I loved learning. And um, so I, Theater was my escape and my therapy for many years. Um, so when I graduated from high school, my sister was left there with my parents. And I have, I've gotten past it now, but I used to have a lot of guilt about leaving her behind. Yeah. And so they, they got involved. My dad was served in the military, was in the army. I was born in Brook Army, used to be Brook Army Medical now it's, you know, the burn center in San Antonio. So, okay. um, I was born there before it became a burn center. Wow. And, yeah. And so my dad got out of the military and then later went back into the national guard and served in Pathfinders, which is a unit that supports the green berets, but he was national okay. guard. He did not serve in combat. And that began this whole delusional path that he went on, which which I'm looking back on it, speaking as a therapist. But at the time, it was just a big radical change in our lives. Um, He was always very patriotic, pro-American. I was raised to be, you know, to love America and freedom and all of those things. And Mm then when I... You know, hit that kind of high school age, he took a turn, the total opposite. Like, suddenly America was the enemy. What? He, yeah. So he was, he turned more anti American and very radical in his thinking. He started a militia. And, you know, these are some of these delusional types of things that he. Right. Would, get caught up in, um, he became very paranoid that the government was after him, after us. So he created this environment of fear. Um, and I, I don't know that I've ever publicly talked about this. So as I'm uh-huh. saying it out loud right now, it's kind of freaking me out, but,
0: uh, <laughs> well, take your time, take your time. Yeah, you're, so- you're doing great. So did he have members and he created- And everything with that?
1: This fear. Um, and so for example, he wouldn't let me go anywhere without a gun in my car. I was a teenager. And he made me carry a gun in my car. And I look back on that and I'm like, that could have been bad. You know, yeah, that could have been caught with that, you know. Um and we would go out on patrols. Patrols and he taught us how to shoot lots of different types of weapons we learned uh, navigation we had scenarios that we would go out into the woods and so i was going to school and i was this actress this learner i was valedictorian of my high school class wow and at home i lived in a shack like our house was very run down. I was going out on patrols on the weekends. I would never want my friends to come over because I was ashamed of what they would see or how my dad would act around them. So I didn't want any of a ticking
0: time bomb. Really? You just never knew. Yeah,
1: You never knew. So it was like, I had these dual lives Mm -hmm. that I lived and it, it, it taught me a lot like i i want to say this up front i'm not a victim like if it weren't for any of those things i wouldn't be exactly where i am right now and right. so um my love for my parents has has not gone away i love my parents but it's it was a unique experience yeah that built resilience in me
0: yes yes most definitely yeah most definitely,
1: thank goodness, I mean, I'm grateful it yeah. it could have gone either way. I mean yeah. I could have gone down just about any path, but yeah. i I'm, I'm grateful for the path I ended up on, yeah, so
0: what about your sister? Just I mean we don't have to talk about her, but yeah, yeah, you know, as far as paths go, you know how 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 has she traveled that journey?
1: Well, and this is where you know I shared that I felt really guilty is because she didn't have the same opportunities I had. Right. She was taken out of school. They didn't homeschool her. She had a fifth grade education. And. How old was
0: she, she when she left?
1: She. Was. So she was 16. I believe 16 when my dad gave her permission to get married and she and her, her first husband uh, lived with my parents. And because he believed the world was about to end. So it yeah. was all in preparation for this, the world's ending, life as we know it's going yeah. away. And so there were a lot of decisions that she and I both made that were based around that. So right. a lot of brainwashing mm-hmm. taking place with that. Yep. And yep. so I would have this. Both she and I, we had this part of us that didn't believe it, and this other part that did. Right. And that was like a struggle.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. But unfortunately, um, I mean, I believe that it was much harder for her because yeah. she didn't have the educational opportunities that I did. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. Um, but the good news is she got her GED on her own. She's smart. You know, yeah. she she did that on her own. Um, she's working on her social work degree now, and, you know, she works with me now. So
0: Oh, I um, love that.
1: Yeah, so it's – she has definitely – I'm really proud of her. Um, really proud of her. She has five beautiful kids, and I claim them as my own, so –
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: We're really I cl- love
0: that. Yeah. Well, and that in and of itself is a gift. Right? Oh. 100%. You know, so that's really spectacular. Wow. So, growing up, seeing seeing all of this and was it really easy for you to just leave outside of your sister? Was it easy for you to start your life?
1: Sort of. When I left to go to college, I had a full scholarship, theater scholarship. And I went against my father's wishes. Right. So that, yes, that was, that rebellious side of me, it felt like rebellion that I was going to college, which is kind right. of backwards. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I was stuck in this people-pleasing place of the world's gonna end. Sure. So I was doing everything I could possibly could as fast as I could, because I didn't know if the world was gonna end or not. And so I was like on this time mm-hmm. clock. And um, part of that was me after a year, well, no, a semester into college. um, I eloped with my high school boyfriend and my oldest daughter's father. Um, We eloped uh, because the world was going to end. So (laughs) I had to get married.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Of course. (laughs)
1: you know um and he and i were much better friends than we were married people yeah so yeah, yeah. good yeah. um i think he would agree with that but and so i months into that i was going to school um i just stopped the the theater midway and went to paramedic school because I, I could use that skill when the world ended. Yes. And so I went to paramedic school. I got pregnant with Tara because I needed to make sure I, I wanted to be a mother. So I had to make sure that I got married and had a baby and did all that before the world ended. Wow.
0: Isn't that wild?
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
0: So how how, how old were you? You were what? 18 19 20 in there
1: I yeah I I was uh, 19 when I got married and had Tara when I was 20 so wow no I was still 18 when I got married yeah I was 18 yeah had her when I was 20 and worked as a paramedic for four to five years Um, but during that time I ended up going back to school, finishing my theater degree and I became a high school theater teacher. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So that was, was a wild journey. Um, being a paramedic was a very great experience. Um, I was at that crossroads where I didn't know if I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to finish my degree Cause I've always loved learning and I, I haven't really stopped going to school. I don't think <laughs> for a really long time, but, um,
0: that's awesome.
1: I, I wanted to either get my medical degree further, my medical or go back and finish my theater. And I just don't think I still needed to do the theater to process all those mm-hmm. things. Like mm-hmm. it, it was an outlet for you. It, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge outlet, mm-hmm. and I have wonderful memories and experiences of my students, and being able to, being a theater teacher is not like any other, it's it's a special bond you have with your students, because you're in class with them all day, and then you have rehearsals every night, and you spend more time with your, your students than you do with your own family.
0: Right, right.
1: So it's like being a coach.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it was um, a wonderful experience. And my high school theater teacher and English teacher was one of those people who has no idea what he meant to me. Yeah. And I mean, I would come to school and just... Be at that in that place in a really dark place because of my my family situation and right. somehow he never said it but he knew mm-hmm. and he was there for me big way and he's one of those people that kind of helped save me.
0: How beautiful that you had someone um, supporting and guiding you through all that. Even though those words weren't necessarily spoken,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, Mr. Robinson, I love, I love him dearly. It.
0: Wow, <laughs> wow. Have you ever followed oh, up with him?
1: Oh yeah, we stay in touch. We're on Facebook together. And
0: oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm grateful. So, mental health has been a huge part of your entire life, really. Yes. And um, let's talk about that a little bit. So what transitioned you out of being a teacher? Let's Let's start there. So you decided not to be a teacher anymore. So what shifted that perspective for you?
1: My husband, whom I married <clears throat> in January of 1992, a long time ago. Um, I was single mom, going finishing my theater degree, and um, working at a bar and grill. Um, and so mm-hmm. I met my husband. He was um, on active duty, an active duty Marine at the time, Finishing his degree, but doing recruiting duty. And then he uh, was in the reserves after that. So we, we ended up getting married, and he asked me if I wanted to go active duty with him in the Marine Corps. And I had Tara. She was four years old when we got married, and I said no. I can't take Tara away from the rest of her family. Yeah, And you know, looking back on it, he made a big sacrifice because he decided to do reserves and he became a police officer. Wow. So he was a police officer in Abilene. I was a high school teacher. We had Tara and then we had two other children and um, when in 2000 Memorial Day weekend of the year 2000 m- my husband AJ's brother was in a motorcycle accident and that was a huge life changing event in our lives um, mm-hmm. obviously our, our world turned upside down mm-hmm. um, so he ended up passing away oh and we moved up here to the Metroplex to live near his parents. Um, he was raised in Burleson. And so we, we moved up here to be near them so our kids could be near their grandparents. And he got bored. Um, he was working at a small department in that Dallas area that's very high-end. I won't say where. Because, uh, <laughs> Um, you'll find that out here in a second, <laughs> but, um, he was working there and it was kind of bored because when we were in Abilene, half of his career was there. He was on the SWAT team. He worked in the worst part of town. You know, he was a Marine sure. and loved being a police officer. He was an amazing, um, officer, really proud of him. And so he, was going to go back into the reserves. And he, this was, you know, during post 9 11, you know, the war was well underway and he felt called to serve. And so he tried to join the Marine Corps again, but he was already 40. And they were like, mm, you're too old for us. Right, so he right. He joined the Army Reserves. And went immediately into a tactical psyop unit. So wow. seven months after he joined, he was deployed to Afghanistan. His police work paid pretty well because of the, the department he was in. And we had an immediately a $30,000 pay cut. Rinse and pay from the active duty. So seven months after he rejoined, he was in Afghanistan. We had lost all that income. I had a a junior high student, high school student, Jacob Shelby, and then Tara was um, in college. And when he deployed, you know, Tara was on and shared her story. Mm -hmm. I had just found out that she had a severe drug problem.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: my husband left for Afghanistan. I had an angry high school student who, you know, I don't blame her for being angry. Um, and then Jacob who was in junior high needed his dad. He wasn't here. Um, it was a rough time. Everything that could go wrong, went wrong that year. I had to have two surgeries. Um, and we made it through it, though. I mean, in some ways, it, it taught me a lot of things about myself and about my husband and our marriage that I had taken for granted. Um, I've Because of my upbringing, I had things that I had never fully addressed. Sure. I had never, you know, um, worked through. Right. And so therefore I, instead of hating my, my parents, I directed some of that anger towards my husband Yeah. and we were, we were quite a match. We locked horns a lot, you know, over the years and mm-hmm. both of us are very stubborn, <laughs> but, you know, um, he loved me anyway. I loved him anyway. It, you know, that's the way it was. And. So when he came home, it was one of the happiest days of my life. Like, if I had to, besides the birth of my children, there is nothing like someone that you were afraid that you were going to lose forever coming home. Yeah. I can't, I can't put the right words to it to describe it but I know all of these people out here who've experienced that know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and how long was he deployed? He was deployed for 11 months, but he was gone from us for 15 Wow. because he had pre-deployment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he came home was the turning point of our mental health struggles. Uh, the true, like, you know, he and I went to counseling as a couple throughout our marriage, you know, um, and got help that way. It was something that I I did as a couple, but I'd never really done my own therapy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when he came home, he was not the same person that we sent over there.
0: Did he recognize that too?
1: Not, Not right away. Mm -hmm. Not right away. It was, it took me six months to talk him into going to the VA and he, he finally went, he had a very kind and caring psychiatrist who I would go to all of his appointments with him. And he was, they were trying to get him on the right medication, uh, severe PTSD and severe anger, um, anxiety. He, he was part of his work over there. He, he, he was on over 200 combat missions while he was in the country and was embedded in, you know, in the communities over there. Um, so his anxiety in public was huge through, through the roof. Yeah. Huge. We, he isolated, wouldn't go out. We couldn't do anything together as a family because he just couldn't do it.
0: He wow. was barely
1: able, yeah, barely able to go to our daughter's graduation. It was just, um, and I remember we got in this huge argument. And I'm just going to tell you, as a spouse, I did everything wrong. Tempa.
0: <laughs> now, when you say that, what, I what does that mean?
1: Collins, I I triggered a lot of things and he triggered a lot of things for me. So, you know, those. Poke the bear. Yeah, it brought out the worst in both of us. Yeah. So we started looking for help. We could not find adequate help for us as a couple or a family because none of the community counselors really understood what we were going through.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They didn't
1: really get it. Like the textbook says, these are the symptoms of PTSD. This is what anger is. This is what anxiety is. This is depression. But you mix all that together. right? And until you live it and live with it in your home, mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was the turning point for me to want to do more. Um that's why I left teaching, is to pursue my master's in counseling and psychology. And I had already done a master's in education because I wanted to move up in the school system.
0: Sure, sure.
1: So the universe had a different plan for me. hmm You know?
0: Thank um, God. Yeah. Thank God best, you listened.
1: Yeah. It's the best decision I ever, ever made. Um, and we did get help. It was difficult finding the right help, but the
0: resources,
1: we found it, we, we fought to find it and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it has taken a lot of work and he could not get better fully until I got better Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm We have, we have to do our own work. Right. So all of that. I feel like all of that experience as a child growing up in that kind of environment, mm-hmm. it helped prepare me for this. Yeah. And in a lot of and, different ways. Yeah. A lot of different ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: When my second daughter Shelby was born, um, she's my free spirit, my creative child she's amazing and the the mother of my two grandchildren
0: they are beautiful by the way
1: they are beautiful and she well after she was born I I had to choose not to see my parents anymore Um, it was a choice I made for my own mental health yeah and so I think that was probably one step I took one of the steps I took to to be better, to grow Mm -hmm. and to try to find what healthy look like. Um, but I wasn't done yet. So when my husband and I sought help, um, that was part of it.
0: Wow. Now there was a time in your life where you had contemplated suicide yourself and let's talk about um, what was happening in your life transpiring in that time that brought you to that moment
1: (sighs) yeah um that was never an option in my life had never been an option until we went through what we went through my husband and i and I'd already, you know, gone to school, started working in the nonprofit world as a therapist. I founded the Stay the Course program. Um, things were rocking along. My husband was forced to retire. He was actually fired as a police officer because he had a PTSD diagnosis.
0: Wow!
1: And so, first. I almost lost him multiple times to suicide. And there were a couple of call close calls I didn't know about until after the fact. Yeah. But I'm grateful that he's here. Yes. I know how close we came.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought things were turning around and getting better. And I was, you know, really happy um, with direction things were going with state the course donated his retirement to help me start the nonprofit so when we were trying to pull things back together and move forward um he he hit a really rough patch again after he was terminated as a police officer he He would be sitting in the same spot that I left him in. Oh, wow. When I would go to work and come home. And it was a a really dark time. It was a huge setback in his progress. And I was busy with, you know, trying to help other families and with a nonprofit. And he reconnected with someone that he went to high school with. And so there was some mm-hmm. betrayal there. And um and I say this with no disrespect, uh no hostility. We've worked through all this. Yeah. He's a he's a good man. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't okay. Right. And when we're when we're not okay, right, we seek things that make us feel better. We seek things that will perceive that void, right? Perceived. Right. Yeah, it's a perception of I have this empty void inside of me and it, mm-hmm. I have to do something to fill that. Right. And, um, but that that feeling of betrayal that I experienced is what was the tipping point for me. And I, I had gone so long, so hard and experienced so many different things. I got into that dark place where I couldn't see a way out. And one thing that, you know, people like us do is we put a lot of people before us. Yes. Right. Yep. And that was not smart. <laughs> um, so I had put everyone before me and neglected my own self-care i was burnt out i was tired and i went down a rabbit hole and I, i had some some moments um was in ended up in my backyard behind a tree with a gun it was the day after my birthday
0: how old were you then
1: i had just turned 51 it was September of 2018.
0: Oh, wow, Tempa! Wow.
1: And it was just weird, like I had never, never thought I would ever have those thoughts in my life. Right. right. But in those moments, I didn't know Anything else? I couldn't see anything else. What stopped you? Well, AJ came out there and, you know, he went into cop mode. You know, cool as a cucumber, right? Of course. <laughs> God. Yeah.
0: Well, blessings uh, be, I guess. You yeah. could say that. Blessings yeah. be. Cop
1: yeah. mode yes. worked. Yeah. <laughs> But mm. this is nothing against my family, my kids, my love for any of my family. But one thing he said to me that clicked was, Tempa, what about your clients? What about all the people that you've helped? What will they think if you did this? And wow, I couldn't do that to them. I couldn't. So that was, that clicked, it clicked me back, you know, to reality. And so I have been, you know, in and out of my own counseling for several years. Um, but I went back in intensely, intensely back into my counseling and for a while got on some antidepressants and took some medication. Um, and me level off, I had to ramp up my self care. And so I got better because I had to, I had to do the work. I had to. Yes. Do, I had to. Regroup with myself and understand well, and I that think I could be okay
0: well, and I think in what you do um, it gives other people hope too, knowing that you know if you once you step into that power, knowing that you can take care of yourself and you can come out the other end of it um. I think that's uh, I think that's hopeful for people to hear that. I think that's um, really courageous of you, a to choose life, and b to do your work. You know, I think that's um, that's really powerful.
1: And I said the date wrong. It was twenty seventeen, not twenty eighteen. Sorry but about still, that.
0: It wasn't that long ago.
1: Still not too long ago, but yeah. A lot has happened since then. Um, Yeah. We have taken a turn way better. Um, Yeah. I'm proud of us, all of us. I'm proud of the work we've done on ourselves and we've grown. And I'm not ashamed that I was in that place. Yeah. Because people struggle and Mm -hmm. one person's struggle is not more important than another Mm -hmm. we are all part of this human race this Mm -hmm. humanity and it's hard Mm -hmm. and everybody's experience is different and i i don't ever i'm telling this story because i want people to Know that it's okay to not be okay and to have a weak moment. Yes, because that's when some of you can find some of your best strengths. Mm-hmm. Is in those moments when you feel the weakest. Um, it's not weakness to get help. No, it's strength. It's courage. But I, I don't. I don't want to put out that message that. there are so many things out there that are way worse than anything I've ever been through, you know, but we can't compare our struggles. No. We have to just face our own struggles and have the courage to do what we need to do. Yes. Yes.
0: Comparison, you know, is, um, I've always said comparison is the soul journey. It kills the soul journey, you know, because it really does. It, It doesn't serve our highest and best good at all. And all we can do is what's best for our hearts and um, our wellness. And so um, that's just amazing. So tell us more about Stay the Course and what that looks like um, and what it is that uh, you do there.
1: So I started Stay the Course with myself. This was January of 2016. It was myself and my dear friend and she was my coworker at another nonprofit um, Marine veteran to Tours Iraq, Lindsay Hartley. And Lindsay and I stepped out on our own to start Stay the Course. And like I said before, my husband donated his police retirement so that we could do that. And I started seeing families veterans, spouses, first responders and families. Um, that was my passion. That's what I was called to do mm-hmm. is to try to give back to this community of people who serve, mm-hmm. who sacrifice for us. Mm-hmm. And I feel that I owe a debt to them.
0: I know that feeling. I do. I understand that um you know our tagline for no angel left behind is we serve those who served us. And um you know it's 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 a beautiful thing to be able to show up in your highest light for for that community or any community that you're drawn yes. to, you know. And uh that's really beautiful.
1: Kind of neglected community. Yeah. Um our, our society expects people who serve, whether it be a paramedic or a police officer or a firefighter, a veteran or a healthcare worker, expect them to be this pillar of strength and, and never falter. They, they expect us, they, we expect them to continue serving and serving and serving with no impact, but they and their families, there are a lot of sacrifices involved. And that's where I I started understanding that firsthand. And now I realize what our own family has sacrificed along the way. And I understand what we needed that we couldn't get. And so I want to provide that for these people. I want to make that possible. I want to give them something that I didn't have for a long time. And so that's why I founded Stay the Course. Um, August of 2018, I lost Lindsay to suicide.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: And during those couple of years, we were partnering with 22Kill, um, we became beneficiaries of 22 Kills, Stay the Course. And so that relationship grew. We began providing services to the community that they served. And as that kind of went along and got a little more formal, they, they funded a full-time therapist for us. So we were really growing fast. Stay the Course, the program grew really fast. And so in the fall of 2017, I went to Jacob Schick's house. I, I called him up and I said, hey, can we, I have an idea. I want to come talk to you. <laughs> and I'm sure he was like, oh my gosh, what is she going to tell me?
0: I love <laughs> so, it. I love it.
1: Yeah. So Tara and I, Tara had started working with us by then. And so I drove out to his house and I said, I think we could do more together than separate we could serve more people. Mm -hmm. I knew I had a great clinical program, who Mm -hmm. would, you know, a program that was culturally competent. And I knew they had this amazing grassroots uh, mission and a -hmm. community that they had built Mm -hmm. that needed our program. Mm -hmm. And so we started working on the details and by the spring of 2018 we merged with 22 kill and stay the course became a major program and we have grown so much since then it's unbelievable um and then isn't it
0: exciting
1: yes it's extremely exciting um we've learned a lot along the way you know you
0: It evolves Mm
1: -hmm. and you learn, and Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to learn so you can get better.
0: Yes. Trust me, I get it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's with any, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I
0: I have huge learning curves in everything I do. So, yes, I understand. That's so awesome.
1: Yeah. So, I became COO of 22 Kill in that process. And we have an amazing tribe of people, a Mm -hmm. team that promotes wellness for all people but especially the people that we serve
0: i love that i love that well let's talk about um where we are right now as a humanity with this covid stuff and being isolated and um so is there a call center are you seeing an uptick in calls? Are you? What are you witnessing? What are you experiencing? Um, what are you predicting? You know, what do you think? How do you think this is going to affect our um, our community as a whole?
1: So, there have been a lot of really great people we've partnered with that we've been collaborating with along the way. Um, we've come together on weekly calls with a lot of uh, other providers in the state one of major partners in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area is Cohen Clinic. Um mm-hmm. we have a lot mm-hmm. of friends you know that work there and colleagues and we are in a collaborative grant with them. Um, but so the Cohen clinics throughout the state and some other great organizations that we collaborate with. Um, we've come together and Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute is one of the organizations that we collaborate with they don't do direct services but they they're like the glue that holds us all together and they look for funding opportunities for really great programs and they're just really um, they're they're an amazing force in our state for for veterans and first responders and so they did a white paper that. Um, is very eye-opening where they did some predictions and predictions are only predictions, but they based them on historically the impact that other disasters or disease, you know, sure, big events have had on our society. And mm-hmm. the it's, it's, it's not looking good for mental health. Um, yeah. We saw a dip in the very beginning of COVID and now we're seeing a huge uptick in our first responder needs, they are extremely stressed out. They're worried they're going to bring something home to their families. Um, you know, the restrictions and the way they do their work has changed as it has all of us. Mm -hmm. And so the stresses have increased. Unemployment has increased. And historically, when unemployment goes up, suicide rates go up. And so that's basically the gist of that that Meadows article. Um, I'd encourage people to read it. It's on texasstateofmind.org. They can find that article. It's a white paper. And it's scary. Um, We right now have and I feel like this COVID crisis is forcing us to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that we need to take care of ourselves and each other. Yes. And so we want to be there for whoever needs us. We've expanded our definition of first responder to include frontline healthcare workers. And so we see how this this situation it's changed our world it's changed how we see that community and their first responder just like anyone else they are they're putting themselves in harm's way to help mankind and we want to we want to be there for them too
0: that's awesome that's so good to hear um that, that you've expanded that resource for for more you know um i think that's really important for sure Um, I know right now, you know, just in life in general, you know, you're seeing all sorts of stories and I don't watch the news, thank God, but, you know, just seeing things with, you know, um, domestic violence and, you know, the things going on within the homes, um, you know, people sabotaging themselves, you know, because they just, they just are stuck and so, you know, and, you know, May is also Mental Health Awareness Month, which is spectacular. Yes. And so this is so awesome that you're on talking about all this. It's so, it's so wonderful. So if you had a, um, a veteran or first responder listening right now who may not be doing well emotionally, you know, what, what would you say to them?
1: Reach out to someone. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a therapist and a lot of people are afraid of that word counseling. Mm -hmm. And I, there are many paths to healing. It doesn't have to happen in a therapy room. We have so many other options available, you know, out there, like even at 22 kill, we have wind therapy, Mm -hmm. we have forge, our outdoor program, motorcycles, we have so many different things, our peer-to-peer programs, even if it's a peer that you trust, reach out to someone. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest step of courage that anyone can do Mm -hmm. is to reach out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, that's, that's my message is just let it, let it be okay to, to reach out to that person.
0: Do you think what is the word I'm trying to think of in my brain? Um, when what is that called? I lost my brain all of a sudden. Um, when the people all come together and they say, "Hey, you need help," can con- intervention? I wanna, intervention. I kept wanting to say convention, and I'm like, it's not yeah. <laughs> convention. <laughs> but do you find um, that interventions uh, are appropriate right now, or do you feel like it has to be up to the person to be able to want to go.
1: I've seen interventions work, and interventions come in many forms. Mm-hmm. For example, I saw that my husband needed help way before he realized it. So we don't always have the self awareness that we need to be able to reach out. Right. Sometimes it takes a loved one to speak up. So mm-hmm. all the loved ones out there say something. Mm-hmm. You know, be that intervention, that person who takes them by the hand and says, hey, let's go, let's go get some help. Um, But if we don't get help, life will intervene. And sometimes it's not in a good way. Right. And so that word intervention is huge. Mm -hmm. So being proactive and getting ahead of that curve, that's what we want. Yeah.
0: And that's what I did. I did. Uh, I took by the hand and just let's go. Let's yeah. go. And uh, I'll never regret that decision.
1: Never. For
0: as long as I live, I'll never regret yeah. it. So it's, uh, it's a gift to have the strength. And let me tell you something. For anyone that is considering that, it is uh, the most, um, as someone that facilitated something like that, it is gut-wrenching to to do. But step through that and continue that that course. Stay the course. Yes. <laughs> do it. Do it because it it um it can impact someone's life in a very positive way. So that's good.
1: Yeah. There's no no other way to show someone you love them
0: mm-hmm.
1: more than that than yeah. to put put the truth out there, put it on the line.
0: Yep. Yeah. So Tempa, what are some of your self-care non-negotiables that you have to do for yourself? Because you talk to these people. You talk to everything. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got shit shows all around, you know. Yeah. So what is it that you do for you?
1: I love being in nature. I ride motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I have two of them. And that's a huge part of my self-care, my therapy. Um, when I get on my bike, it helps me breathe. It gives me a mindful task. And it takes my mind off of everything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's a huge part of my self-care. Um, being outdoors, quiet, you know, sitting out and just staring at nature is very, very therapeutic for me. Um, but I do other things like people are therapeutic for me. So I, you know, I have my people that my family, my daughters, my son, my husband, um, being with the people I love, that's huge too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, there are things like Exercise. I exercise regularly. I try to eat healthy. I get massage. Uh, massage is a huge part of my self care. And just try to do all those things that I can. So I can't be for, there for someone else unless I do that.
0: Oxi- oxygen mask first. You know That's we it. talk we talk about that in estrogen fest all the time. You have to put your oxygen mask on first. You really do. And, you know, I didn't realize how true that was until, like, I've always known that, you know, you know it, you know the things, right? But then there's certain things that happen and then you're like, fuck, I really got to yes. do that. Yes. Because then you're, you know, you're not, you're truly not showing up for yourself. And then it's like, shit, I've, I've got to get back on track. So, you yeah. know, really, really schedule and schedule it. I, I, I you know, started just uh, through COVID scheduling self-care things. Yes, And that's, you know, that's important. Put, I love that Alexa, you know, I'll just tell her, Alexa, remind me tomorrow to do whatever. And I love that because (laughs) she's become my personal assistant through this. (laughs) Yes. And so it's, it's great to, um, however you have to do it, you know, just make sure you're taking care of you. And I love your Um, self-care non-negotiables. That's so fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. And we have to be intentional about those.
0: mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to add, Miss Tempa? This was wonderful. This is a great show.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I'm. I just. I encourage people to live in gratitude. I'm so grateful for you for this experience. I'm oh, grateful thank you. for our tribe mm-hmm. that we serve that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, just love one another.
0: It's important. That was awesome.
1: I. Life is too short. Oh,
0: that's the truth. That's the truth. Well, thank you, Miss Tempa, for coming on our show. This was a fucking fabulous show, by the way. And I'm yes, so. This
1: is, this, I didn't even say fuck. The <laughs> whole show. There you go. <laughs> So there, I got
0: one in. <laughs> yes, if you can say it anywhere, it's here. Um, you know, and I'm honored. I'm honored to have you on. My heart honors your heart, and uh, I can't wait to actually see you and squeeze you um, in person again. And uh, I love what you're doing around mental health and awareness and mindset. I think uh, it speaks volumes to where we are in society. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to uh, to uh, know you and to have you here. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So please know everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful that uh, you watch tonight and share it with um, all of your platforms if you believe this show um, impacted your world a little bit. And please don't forget to actually go out and give two fucks this week. Peace. <laughs>